Okay, welcome everyone to Pen Pen Pals. This is our coverage of the Evangelion movies, and today we are doing 1.11, You Are Not Alone. Uh, I'm Alex. Hey, this is Blixa. Hey, it's Ben. And uh, we are happy to uh, welcome back to the show, uh, friends of the show and uh, vintage anime aficionados, uh, <laughs> Sin and Sophie. Hi. Hi. Welcome. I believe it's pronounced Evangelion. <laughs> <laughs> we'll say I, I went through calling it Evangelion. Because this, <laughs> this is something that like I knew about way before I'd seen it. I, I, I had read about it, and I was calling it Evangelion until I was 14. That's pretty yeah, awesome. That's, that's the real vintage <laughs> pronunciation, I think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so what have you gals been up to? Or hold on, I really want to ask. Sin, is this your first, like, experience with Neon Genesis? No, actually, uh, my boyfriend, when I told him we we're going to watch an Evangelion movie for this podcast, okay. he showed me a film noir i don't know <laughs> called uh, evangelion redeath <laughs> which is a youtube fan made fan up thing <laughs> it was very funny <laughs> this is gendo you may speak yeah <laughs> but like i remember before this i mentioned it to you and you said i'll watch a couple of episodes and get the gist of it <laughs> And I feel like there there's, there's no worse candidate for getting the gist of it after a couple of episodes. <laughs> Maybe Darling in the Franks. Maybe. You know, honestly, if we're, if we're speaking frankly here, okay. Evangelion <laughs> is just a Darling in the Franks ripoff. <laughs> you heard it here first. Oh, yeah. my God. You really get to the heart of the matter. So. And that's why we brought you on, because you were here for Darling, and we need you to suss this out with us. <laughs> So this is our first time having you two on for something Evangelion related. Uh, so I wanted to ask also, Sophie, what what was your previous experience with the show? Did you find it when you were much younger? Like I said, I, I was watching this as a teenager. Mm -hmm. um, it was actually on TV here. Whoa! Oh, wow. oh, yes, yeah. it used to be on, they used to do two episodes a week. Um, I think it was Thursday nights. So I experienced this whole show literally in two episodes a week blocks. Mm. Wow. Yeah, and I'd read all about it before, but I'd never seen it. So, like, it was a real, like, you could not binge this. <laughs> if weird things were happening, you did not get an answer for a week. <laughs> I was actually talking to a friend of mine last night who's much, much younger than me. Mm -hmm. She was saying, like, uh, about the way that, like, Evangelion ends at episode 26, but there's this movie that came out that sort of wrapped it up. And I was having to say to her, like, we didn't get the movie for a year. <laughs> so, like, it just, because I'm, I'm assuming they were just, like, different contracts with the localization teams, because one is a series and one is a movie. So, yeah. like, it was a very weird experience living through Evangelion for the first time, because you had really no idea what was going to happen. Mm -hmm. People would talk about it online a lot. It was, this is, like, really, really early, like, Web 1.0 discussions about this show. I was 12, like, when it... Oh, no, I was 11 when it started, but it took a few years to get here, so I was 14 by the time it was on, mm -hmm. which is, like, the best and worst age, I think, to watch it. <laughs> um, yeah. And it was it was something no one, no one stops talking about it constantly online. And um, a lot of people really fell down the rabbit hole of trying to sort of, like, rationally understand how everything worked. Because it, it, it's like a red rag to a bull with some people, because mm -hmm. it's a series that, like... It sort of works according to basically dream logic for the last, like, half of it. 
But so, at the yeah. same time, it, it gives the impression that you could decode it. Definitely. Yeah, so, and, like, particularly the way that, like, everything's name is, like, an explicit reference to something else. And, again, if you're growing up in a Western place where, like, you're used to sort of applying large amounts of import to Judeo-Christian, you know, names and symbols, mm-hmm. um, people just really fell down this rabbit hole of, I have to, I'll be able to decode it. And that was sort of my first experience of being around people like that. Consequently, I ended up hating it for quite a while. <laughs> because I, I had just experienced it as like, hey, this is the show that you don't understand because you're not smart enough. Sort of like rubbed <laughs> in my face um, for most of my teens and early 20s. And then I sort of came back to it as a properly adult adult and I could appreciate it. It's so much about adolescence that if you're actually an adolescent watching it, that's maybe a bad time to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, a lot of stuff that only makes sense in hindsight. Uh, maybe yeah, that's what yeah. saved our experience, Ben, mm. was that we only really had each other and like a few friends or like brothers to talk about it with. We weren't terminally online yet. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's weird. I, I think it does sort of work, just like kind of washing over you, mm. like when you're yes. when you're young, and yeah, then yeah, or, or kind of even just like the first watch in general. I feel like it just sort of washes over you, and there's enough interesting new stuff going on that you kind of stick with it but you just are confused the whole time (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 i remember when when it was on um a lot of people were comparing it to the Mm x-files because it had that sort of conspiratorial feel to it Mm. the thing is like the x-files all that stuff really didn't mean very much in the end but like specifically with evangelion that's not the point Mm mm-hmm There's all this, like, supplementary material that quote-unquote makes sense of everything about, like, these various moons and, like, an ancestral race that seeds life through the universe and stuff that's pretty much, like, 90% not actually in the show. (laughs) But, like, all that stuff is sort of irrelevant to, like, really getting at what it's about because it's about adolescence and it's about trauma and it's about, like, psychology and things like that. Um, But a lot of people, like, that I remember were going at it from completely the other direction. Like, we're going to decode it, it's all going to make sense to us, and it never will if you approach it that way. Well, I wrote out a whole page about moon babies, so I'm just going <laughs> to... <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll need that in place of an angel attack uh, segment. Um, well, I don't, I'm a little bit out of the loop. I don't really have any anime news industry, but just, like, on a personal level, I don't know if we've ever recommended a manga on this show before, but I started reading this one... Uh, Love me for who I am. Mm-hmm. All right. The main character is uh, non-binary, and it takes the character seriously. It's not like some right. uh, etchy trope. So if anyone's looking for that type of read, uh, I'm two volumes in, so I do recommend it. Sounds good. Uh, how recent is it? Do you know when it was published? April 2021. Oh, wow. Uh, Very just modern. Like yesterday. Okay. Cutting edge. Has anyone here read the Evangelion manga? When we started this series, I like planned to do it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think we lasted like one one in, one issue in. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had the um the first like trade paperback collection of that as a okay. teenager, and it 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 just kept coming to mind during rebuild because it's sort of an alternate take on it. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it, it's like it just sort of rearranges things and moves things around and it like changes certain characters and it omits some parts and adds some other parts and it's by one of the designers that worked on it. Mm. Oh. It's not it's not by Arno. Yeah, I think like it it came out to promote it like before 
the show was out. Because mm. it's the designer, he wrote all these notes, I remember, in the, in the manga about, like, alternate designs for Shinji and, like, the idea of, the ideas behind the design of the Ava and stuff. Mm. Like, in the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember there being, like, exposition about, you know, like, what had happened to the world right at the beginning. And I think they were, like, talking about the technology of how that, like, underground, uh, yeah, like, the geofront yeah. works and stuff like that. And just from the from the little bit that we talked about with that. Mm. Another thing to check out. Man, now I want to read that. Okay, cool. Last time on End of Evangelion, or How Shinji Learned to Never Be Happy. Shinji let out his frustrations with the vision of an unconscious Asuka, bringing him to the pinnacle of self-hatred. The SEAL Council ordered a multi-pronged attack on Nerve, hoping to bring about their own corporately structured apocalypse. Asuka awoke from her trauma coma just in time to prove why she's the best at what she does, massacring the mass-produced Avas until the rules changed and she was sacrificed anyways. Misato murdered some malevolent miscreants, then tried every manipulative tactic in the book to get Shinji into the robot one last time. Then, everyone died. Some of them died violently. Some simply burst into orange goo after receiving a vision of their heart's greatest desire. Gendo got rejected, Rei realized her biggest, shiniest form yet, and Shinji experienced instrumentality, ostensibly opting for an abstract existence of choking Asuka for the rest of eternity. Is Shinji happy with his choices? Does everyone want to rule the world? Can't we give love another chance? Let's find out. What? <laughs> <laughs> that was a recap of what happened before this. Uh, verbatim. Okay, so this is uh, the first rebuild movie, 1.11. Is there any, like background on the creation of these like why they were greenlit or anything do you know blixa a speculation i haven't i haven't read anything official i read a bit about the making of them yeah i don't know the story behind them being greenlit yeah as far as i'm aware like i didn't really go super deep into the making of it but from what i read like they weren't 100 percent sure if it was going to be a straight remake or like a new take on it mm-hmm. and i think that that sort of shows in this because it's very close to the original, but then it sort of goes off in a new direction quite late in the day. Mm-hmm. And then Rebuild 2 is like, that's a completely different take on the same material. Mm-hmm. And also there were some massive production issues and like they lost a whole lot of cells at one point. It was kind of a nightmare. Oh, wow. Oh. I, I, I guess like the same as the first series, just like the curse returns. Oh. They've run out of cells and money again. Brain cells? <laughs> I don't know, I'm just being funny. <laughs> Actually, this is digital, isn't it? didn't even have cells. I think they had to, like, reanimate, like, a huge chunk of it at the last minute, is what I heard. I, I think from what I remember of reading through this, it was like, maybe they were trying to go back and somehow reuse the original cells from the original series and, like... That would make sense, yeah. Get them, like, higher resolution, somehow digitize them to, you know, show it in a theater... But there were problems with that, like they couldn't find some of those old ones to to kind of do the process on. And and then I think that at some point they're just like, all right, well, we, we pretty much have to start the anim- animation over from scratch. And then maybe that's when they started looking more at changing up the story. And our guy, uh, Tsurumaki, who's the um, lead behind FLCL, he had kind of his own script, his own take on this movie that then I guess Anno decided was like a little bit too much of a deviation. And and so kind of then I think he went back and kind of did his own version 
Uh, so I don't know how much of that Suramaki stuff got left in there, like if it's kind of like a hybrid of both of their visions or if this is really more of the the Anno version. Hmm. I, I was I showed Alex um, yesterday that like I had actually watched this and the original literally in just two different windows on the same monitor. <laughs> like literally a lot of the angles in this, the shots are just complete recreations of episode one. Like everything about them, they've just redrawn them. Yeah, and in fact, it doesn't really diverge in like major design choices until the third angel of this like the very end of the um story right yeah 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 so why why do it like what does this achieve yeah i wondered because like it's not the gundam movies right like gundam one two three you can watch the original series or you can watch three films and it summarizes the story pretty well um whereas this it feels like there is still like some characterization missing. And maybe that comes in a little more on the next mm. film because like we just like start going a mile a minute. Um, but even here, like we meet Shinji and pretty early we're asked to like judge him. And like, it's just because like we, ha we are compounding, you know, six, yeah, like six or seven episodes in into uh, uh, a 90 minute space instead. Did you see Death and Rebirth? before you yes yeah 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 it's interesting to compare the two again because like this is a recap basically it's compressing a bunch of episodes together um so does death and rebirth but death and rebirth does it by just eschewing all all sort of narrative logic like death and rebirth isn't trying to actually tell the story in a linear abc way it's like breaking it up by character and just mm -hmm. showing you scenes of that character yeah and it's it's edited like a youtube amv where you're sort of seeing scenes like replay in slow motion and scenes in black and white like individual frames and stuff they're just two very different ways of, of doing a compressed version mm -hmm. of the story yeah that was my impression too it's like different people at the helm doing a recap movie yeah. Yeah. You you'd mentioned kind of Gundam and the Gundam movies and in the the Wikipedia page for this it does say that Anno had like the explicit like his the intention of gundamizing Evangelion oh. and that that he was kind of like inspired by how there were all these kind of like different iterations of like the Gundam franchise that were kind of like reimaginings of it. And so I think he was hoping that could do the same thing with with kind of this world and these characters that he'd already set up hmm yeah i mean kind of mission accomplished it's not like it doesn't have the proliferation mm. that gundam has but like gundam also i don't know has you know a 20-year head start like who knows like this might overtake yeah. it in the long yeah. run because people are like ah oh, gundam's weird we want we don't want actual robots we want yeah. things that have armor plating on them to make us think they're robots did you just say gundam is weird comparing it to evangelion <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I i was just gonna say that uh i don't know to me gundam does feel like more of like a world franchise that's like less yeah. tied to individual <laughs> characters whereas this feels like it's so tied to like the central characters that it's almost kind of like like if you did another series in this world with like a whole new cast like how is it even even Gillian at that point. So, but I guess, and I guess they haven't gone down that route. Maybe, maybe for that. Also reason. hard to do like another story in the same world. If the world keeps ending, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the major problem. Uh, yeah. They need to go with the what if route that Marvel is doing. Yeah. 
They kind of did a few yeah. times, yeah. Oh, yeah? There, there's okay. the there's this like um, which I think it's like the N sixty four game. Oh, of Evangelion. Yeah, yeah. That that that's mm. like its own self contained continuity. If you haven't seen it, you should look up the N sixty four game to hear the like Nintendo sixty four Evangelion raw noise because it's extremely <laughs> funny. <laughs> okay, so we don't know exactly what they're trying to get out of this, at least not yet. But it does start out as, like we said, a f- pretty faithful recreation of the first episodes. It does like heighten things a little bit because they had, I guess, more budget for less time. And so there's more stuff like Shinji escapes dying in that initial angel encounter like four or five times, like <laughs> almost before he gets to Misato. Yeah. Like the fact that he makes it to the the Ava seems like the luckiest thing in the world. Or that their planning is just very bad. Um, let's see. And where do we go from there real quick? The Red Sea. Oh, yeah. Can I talk about the Red Sea? Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, okay. please. Okay, so like we were saying, they recreate a lot of shots exactly, which means the shots that weren't in the original really stand out. Mm-hmm. And this opens on a shot that's not in the original of this Red Sea lapping against a shore. Mm. And you see a lot more destruction. You see this weird sort of like chalk outline of like a giant on a mountain that I don't... Yeah. I, I showed that to a friend and he said, yeah, they never explain that. We've <laughs> um, seen all of them. Um, yeah, and, and this this leads to this like weird. We were talking about like there's different worlds they keep ending. This mm-hmm. theory that like it's actually like a cyclical history that because the, the Ava, end of Evangelion ends with that Red Sea with the decomposing giant ray head, and it's like. Did the mm. world end and then just start again? And that's why everything is slightly different. Yeah, like even that uh, that first ending movie could be interpreted as like a second iteration because like instrumentality happens in episodes 25 and 26. Mm. But yeah, I hadn't made that connection that the the last Evangelion thing. What, what's the second movie called? End of, end Evang- of Evangelion. Okay. So, so that the last thing was End of Evangelion ended with that Red Sea. And now we're starting with this shot. Yeah, because it's, it's like, it's one of those things where it's not clear if it's just like, they did this as a, because it's a continuation of Evangelion, little directorial decision to end with literally the end of Evangelion going into this. Or if it's, if it has like a story significance in terms of like everything happened with this is happening again, the world ended. This is like the next world. That's why everything's slightly different, but the same things are happening. But, but is the sea always red in this, <laughs> in well, this it's, series, it's, or is it just like a weird thing right at the beginning of this episode? It's definitely not red in the original, because it's blue. Yeah. And then it sort of goes red when the angel's killed and the blood goes everywhere. And there's this whole thing about like, the Red Sea is actually LCL. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and like, it's red because everyone dissolved. <laughs> oh. So we're just swimming in people. <laughs> so this could be just like a sci-fi take on... Uh chapter one of genesis like yeah angels ate from the tree of life humans ate from the tree of knowledge mm. ritsuko is the head of project eden mm-hmm. yeah okay i like this theory they're starting over <laughs> yeah yeah um but we hit our our big beats again right we have 
Shinji is out of nowhere asked to get into the robot. He has not been briefed on this. Communication skills, not Gendo's forte. <laughs> they still use Ray as an emotional uh, blackmail to get Shinji to try to do this. I forget, does it have the, does it, did it still have the shot? Does anybody remember where the Ava arm comes up to shield Shinji? I don't think that's in this one. I don't I think, think it does. does. No. That stood out to me, actually. Because I remember in in the show, like, like you're saying in this, it's it's a little bit rushed. It's like get in the robot now, or mm-hmm. the girl's gonna die. Yeah. Whereas in the original, <laughs> it's like there's there's this there there is this conversation between Gendo and Ritsuko where it's like she's saying it's this is a really stupid idea to mm. shove this kid with like out of nowhere into the robot. Yes. And yeah. Gendo is saying like no, it doesn't matter because like they it's it's like um. Martin in The Simpsons talking about a soapbox derby racer. Like, the pilot is just ballast. <laughs> like, we we just need something to turn the Evangelion on. He just has to sit there. And then when that happens, followed by the Ava arm reaching out to protect him, it's like, okay, he's turning the Ava on. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need to be able to pilot it. Whereas in mm-hmm. this one, it's, it's actually presented as like, you have to pilot this thing. Yeah, didn't mm. the father say like, oh, don't worry, we'll give you instructions. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it, kid. So <laughs> this happens a lot in anime, right? So, I mean, this is what happened in Gundam. You know, the kid is just yeah. in the robot, in the Gundam. Mazinga, yeah. Yeah. Um, Rick Hunter from Macross. Yeah. So why does this happen so much? Is this like the giant robot is adulthood and kids are getting thrust into adulthood? Oh, so, so many of my friends have, have written articles about yeah. this. <laughs> But it's like like one of the things about Ava that I remember, and I, I don't know if Arno explicitly said this, but it's a very common read of it. In a lot of giant robot fantasy shows, it's like there's a kid he grows up without a father, and it's like the father wasn't around because he was building you the cool giant robot. And then you meet him and he hands it on to you. And Evangelion was like, what sort of father would actually do this? He would be a psychopath. <laughs> yeah. And that was sort of the genesis of Gendo. Rather, yeah, yeah, just like sort of getting, like sort of scratching the surface and being like, oh, wait, fathers that do this are estranged and they don't care about you. And there's like all this emotional trauma going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, realism is what we're talking about. <laughs> this is what a real yeah. amoral scientist does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he even, I think, straight up tells his son where the son's like, why did you call me here? You know, you only want mm. to see me when you like need me. And... I'm paraphrasing here, here, but the father replies something like, yes, uh, I did you here, doubt that I could use you. What? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not even good at manipulating, just like, yeah, there you go. So if you're a Japanese kid with an absent father, there's a high chance you'll mm. end up in the anime industry. Well. well oh. Interesting. Or in a giant robot. Mm. <laughs> if he comes back. If he doesn't come back, it's the anime industry. <laughs> yeah. They just give you a booth and a pencil. Okay, so Shinji does get in the robot, and we do have this, like, he still has the falling down moment, like, he can't walk. Yeah. Everything is almost shot for shot, uh, but now, like, the neon green on Ava 01 is, like, really distinct, and, like, the animation is just stellar. Like, it is a recreation, but it looks even crisper this time, right? Mm. Um, And probably new technologies are being used, different computer stuff, because the company had... Uh, switched over to doing computer modeling for their animation during FLCL. 
So it really stands out uh, visually, um, but we get the same outcome. One shot, like you said, the things that uh, are not in the original really stand out. Or in the original, when uh, Sakael, this uh, this angel, self-destructs, it like makes this little sphere on Ava 01, and that still happens. But this time we got a shot inside the sphere, and it like puffed up with blood or LCL fluid right mm. before it exploded. And it was just this really wonderful hand-drawn yeah. expansion shot. Mm. Did this come up when you covered the series? Like, was Ray planted here to get Shinji to get in the robot yeah total okay total emotional manipulation all right because they're like oh you won't get in we'll wheel the crippled girl out and in front Mm. of him they're like well this girl will now have to pilot it and it's like well (laughs) like when you put it that way it makes me into the dick doesn't it (laughs) so shinji has that vision of ray Mm -hmm. at the beginning is that actually ray or is that like the weird spirit ray that we see in the movies I mean, she definitely like, it's almost like she calls out to him. Like, um, you know, we can talk as if we know everything about like, you know, all the spoilers from the series. Like we know that Ray is genetically Yui Ikari, right? Um, And we know, we already know that Ray is also not human, right? She has like the soul of Lilith or something. I don't know if it's ever explicitly said, um, but she is much more like an angel. She has powers that are beginning to manifest. And then just going to the contrast, I was trying to remember the the sound effects in this fight scene really stuck out to me. And I couldn't remember if we had sound effects of the the Avas in the original series, those kind of like growling, animalistic sounds that we got in that first fight. Did that stick out to anyone else? Um, I think they're new recordings. So I don't yeah. think they recycled anything. And like and you know, like with sound I think even more than visuals, like our ears are so well tuned, you know, a little bit of uncanny valley goes a long way to going like that is not the same sound. <laughs> but it wasn't silent before. They did kind of make those grunts and Yeah, you know, I think so. Yeah. So we defeat the angel. Masato welcomes Shinji into the apartment and tries to like I don't know, kind of comfort him because like this is not a fun experience for him. This is a traumatic experience for him. Um, but she tries to keep reassuring him that, oh, you did a good thing. And like, people will praise you. Maybe not now, but eventually people will like, like you for what you just did. But that's not what happens. The next scene is him getting punched in the face. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) We very quickly moved to, uh, uh, Toji and Kensuke, Mm -hmm. who I absolutely love. Uh, yeah, but we, we have to... Uh, shove these relationships along very quickly too right yeah yeah like uh, i was when sin and i were talking about it like sin hadn't seen the original series so she didn't know like what what exactly this was compressing no i was like you know when they like punch him or bully him and then Mm -hmm. the next scene is they're like oh save us jantro but i'm like no crush them (laughs) (laughs) um So, like, like while we were watching it, I ran the numbers, and I'm like, okay, it's like episodes one to six, they were this long, the movie is this long, how much was cut out of each one? Mm-hmm. Each episode, like, obviously it's not literally this, but each episode mm-hmm. on average loses about five minutes. Oh. And that five minutes is all characterization. <laughs> and it really starts to show, like, especially when you watch them side by side, like, the, the one that struck me actually the most was 
at the start when Masato is in the car with Shinji. Because mm. in the original, that's a much longer ride, and they establish- basically, they have the same function. They establish the same things about their relationship, but in in the rebuild, they basically just make statements about their relationship, like, you are too mature. Yeah. I wish you were more like a child, whereas in, in the original, it's played off as, like, that's just how they're interacting. You get a sense, okay, he, he is not acting like a child, and, like, she sort of comments on it, and, like, there's another, like, it, it, the dialogue is- I don't know if it's like this in the- if this is a dub issue or it's in the original, but, like, Misato just straight up says in this, like, I also have father issues. Yeah. Whereas in, in, yeah. in, in the in the series, it, it comes a lot more naturally. Like, he's sort of complaining about Gendo and Misato's like, oh, same. Like, I don't, same with me. Like, it's very, very, like, something you would actually say. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah, and and the, the Toji Kensuke thing is, again, it's that. It's like, we see them and then, like, he... They punch him, they don't talk, and then they get rescued. It's like just like the beats. Mm-hmm. Sort of the question of like who is is this for people who've seen the original? As basically, yeah. yeah, it has yeah. to be right. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it really feels like like we said at the start, like this is not terribly distinct from episodes one to six of the original series, and then in the second rebuild, it starts mm-hmm. to go in its own direction. Yeah. Um, and it this really, like, with that in mind, watching it, it just feels like this is a recap, and it's like, okay, this is where we're at now, we're going to be interesting in, in two. Yeah. Yeah. So, even being a bit familiar with the story, like, there's these expository lines that go really fast, and I'm like, what? Like, you know, I had it in the notes, um, Nerve is supposed to be defeating these angels as a part of a covenant with Lilith. With like, Lilith, yeah. What? Like, <laughs> did you talk to her? Did they have, like, contract <laughs> lawyers? You got her on the phone? <laughs> and it's just really matter of fact. Yeah. Yeah, like, and you bring up Lilith. So as somebody who hasn't seen the previous stuff, for me, the the impression I get from Evangelion is, like, meet Misato. She's messy, she's weird, and she has a penguin. Also, meet Lilith. She is the source of all life on Earth. How quirky. Like, what is happening here? Yeah, no, because in, in the old series, like, the Lilith reveals, it's fairly late-ish, isn't it? Yeah. It's, like, sort of mid-series. It's, like, they sort of have to, like, go through a lot to find out what it is. It's like this, like, what? why are the angels coming here? What's under the, what's under Geofront? Why are they coming here? What, what the hell is going on? And gradually breaking it down and then finding this weird crucified monster. It's like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Whereas in this one, like, basically it's just exposition. It's like Masada's like, all right, here's where the angels are here. I'll take you to the giant monster. He's <laughs> <laughs> like a tour guide that's like ready to retire. It's basically like that Shinji's pep talk. It's like, <laughs> all right, I'm glad you're back. Um, this is what we're fighting to protect this giant crucified leg thing. It's kind of, yeah, there's definitely like some foreshadowing of the crazy stuff that happens later in this series. Yeah. They stuck into this iteration. You know, like, yeah, like who is the target audience? Is it like people that liked the show but haven't watched it for years and years? So they need both the reminder. And then this is kind of like reminding you about stuff that will come later. So you should pay attention to it. Like there's also that scene about like baby names and Ray and Shinji, which I guess kind of sets up that Shinji and Ray are somehow related to each other or there might be something going on with that. Yeah. Or are they just kind of trying to hedge their bets so that like, you know, some people won't have watched it and they're trying to 
make the experience like viewable for those people and mm. well, it feels like it's for people who've already seen it mm -hmm. yeah. so it's like you would already know about lilith mm -hmm. the shock of seeing lilith was at this point over a decade ago probably if you watch it on original broadcast mm -hmm. you know lilith's there so misato just needs to like put a little pin in that like this is a thing yeah. that's happening in this show it, it sort of reminds me of the the final fantasy 7 remake which i haven't played but it's it's like the beginning of the series but then like right at the end they just like throw in a thing with like sephiroth because like you kind of need to have sephiroth but he's like not there in the story <laughs> yeah, yet yeah. and like i don't know it feels a little bit like that especially the ending here with the the moon scene mm. uh, yeah it does taste a little to me like the Star Wars special editions. Um, like not as ham-fisted, obviously. Like this is a lot more, this is a lot nicer, a lot more digestible. Yeah, it's yeah, a lot yeah. cleaner. It doesn't have like CGI do-backs in the mm. background of Tatooine. But uh, sorry, before I forget this, in one of the infinite iterations of this uh, show in the multiverse somewhere, there is Sin's idea of Misato and Lilith being roommates, and there's no Shinji at all. <laughs> uh, Every time you say Lilith, all I can think of is uh, the ex from Frasier. <laughs> that would have been a good spinoff, too. Uh, yeah, a spinoff of a spinoff. Has there been a spinoff of a spinoff show? Evangelion. What? <laughs> <laughs> this is what happened to her after she left Seattle. Right, 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 right. Of course, this is the spinoff of Frasier. You finally decoded it. Come on. There is probably a spinoff of a Happy Days spinoff. Because <gasps> okay. oh. pe people like to talk about Marvel, but the Happy Days expanded universe <laughs> true. is vast. Yeah, Joni loves Chachi. Joni, yeah. Uh, Laverne and Shirley, Mark and Mindy. It's just. <laughs> I, I, I was searching my mind and I did come up with The Surreal Life, which then had Strange Love with Flavor Flav and Bridget Nielsen, which then had <laughs> oh Flavor God. of Love. <laughs> Which then had I Love New York, so. <laughs> I love New York. She's so cool. Oh, my God. <laughs> Deep cut. Yeah. Oh, my God. Joni loves Chachi. <laughs> okay, so Shinji goes through the same training. He does this muscle memory and desensitization thing. Uh, we get this sweet... 3d rendering of like the combat environment we're like wow look at look mm. at the cool stuff and then we get this was quite different right in the um in the show it's they actually have some sort of way of getting ava 01 into the training room to do the vr thing and this time there's like a mock-up of 01 but it's just like a disembodied spinal cord and like mm. uh with like little sensors over the eyes <laughs> randomly going back and forth and you're like yeah. wow did you let him see that before you put him in it? Because I think that would be very upsetting. <laughs> but he does that, and then uh, they're quickly, again, attacked by this other angel, the cephalopod, or penis-shaped angel. It also has the cool... I love that it has, like, the skeleton chest effect. Like, yeah. these little fingers trying to grab you. It's so, so it's, cute. It's a horseshoe crab. It's <laughs> <laughs> delightful. Um, and... Uh, this is another thing I think was a little different. When he's protecting uh, Kensuke and Toji and the hands burn on the Ava, 
this time it looked like they were human hands once yeah. everything was burned off, which I don't think was a reveal until no. much, much later yeah. in the show. Yeah, that, that's again, like, this is for people who've seen it before. Mm-hmm. People know that there's a giant person under the Ava. Right. And they're yeah. like, oh, well, now that everybody <clears throat> actually knows, where would we like that reveal to come? Like, this yeah. is a convenient place for it. Okay. So he saves everyone, has this horrible experience with the exploding core, because now the cores, when they explode, it's not just like the beautiful, clean explosion before it. Now there's these showers of blood. <laughs> and he uh, walks away from the life again, right? He goes off on his own. He rides the trains. He goes to suicide overlook and just contemplates what it is to live in Tokyo 3. But he does get this spectacular view as I think like the morning hits and like Tokyo three wakes up and it is kind of awe inspiring, you know, to, Mm -hmm. to think of a city as like, you know, it's kind of one of those things where you're like, I want to think about a galaxy or whatever, something huge. And you think about how big it really is. Yeah. It it just boggles me. Mm -hmm. And you know, he is, thinking about his self-worth. So maybe Masato's lines would come back to him in that moment. He's like, oh, I did save that city. That's pretty cool. I just kept being worried that he was going to run out of battery and he wouldn't be able to listen to music anymore. (laughs) You're very compassionate, Ben. They just kept having all those shots and it was like one bar left on his battery. And I was like, (laughs) man, you're you're a long way from home. I don't know how to charge that. That is a podcaster's nightmare. Uh, (laughs) We also get the, again, beautifully, like almost shot for shot the exact same thing, but again, beautifully animated, high definition, uh, the flashback of why Gendo, or not why Gendo, but like Gendo showing concern for Rey. When uh, she first does the test for Unit 00 and it goes crazy, it uh, almost kills Gendo, and then it the plug does an uh, emergency ejection, and he burns his hands, kind of like rescuing Ray from it. Yeah, so this is a weird choice because, like, the scene right before this, Gendo's playing shogi with his buddy. Uh, what's that guy's name? The dude from uh, the Death Star, Kozo. Yeah, you know, and they're they're talking about manipulating Shinji and predicting his moves, like he's a shit at, like a, a horrible father. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we go to the scene that like humanizes him, shows him like caring about something, you know, this clone daughter wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that does put it in perspective. Though. Yeah. <laughs> like I was just not moved. I'm like, good. I'm glad you burned your hands. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're going to need some new glasses too, asshole. Yeah. <laughs> but again, it's like it suffers because they've cut so much out. Yeah. Because in the series, you've seen Gendo not give a shit about anything for like four or five episodes at this point, And then suddenly he just behaves completely out of character. Yeah. yeah. But, but in some ways, it's like you need that scene for the glasses. Yeah. Um, like they're just like. We need to move from A to B to C. So it's like, okay, we're manipulating Shinji. She needs to get the broken glasses so that they're there when Shinji goes to her apartment because we're manipulating him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Just... yeah. I mean, they, they hit the beats, but they lose the impact. Yeah. yeah. I do think it is a little satisfying. I just like that scene when the Ava <laughs> goes berserk, but um, I thought it was a little bit satisfying because we saw previously OO. Uh, in like stasis and it has this like plug 
where the the entry plug usually is, but it's like this cross, and I don't remember that being in the series no. either. But yeah, so that sets up the Ray's apartment scene. Again, it's the same thing. Misato and Ritsuko, they have like a drink, and Ritsuko says like, oh, hey, get Shinji to take this to Ray." Mm-hmm. The pass. Yeah. Multi-pass. Lilu Dallas multi-pass. Yeah. <laughs> I bet they don't in the original version. Now it has the chip in it. It has the little gold chip. So like, you know, technology is advancing over the years. In the original, like, Misato's card is held together with tape. <laughs> that's the thing that always that i always remember about is she's like duct taped her id together she's just holding up this mess that's awesome i love masano yeah <laughs> and so uh shinji goes over to the apartment it is just as awkward as last time you know you need this scene to uh like, this scene's doing even more work than it does in the series because it is characterizing Ray, right? Like, this scene and the next scene. Because this is the first time we fucking talk to her. Yeah. So they have the same awkward encounter. She is not upset that he has seen her naked. That does not register to her. But the uh, the glasses is a violation, is an affront, right? And that's, like, what she f- hyper-focuses in on. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, she seems like oh, maybe she's okay because she's, like, dressing and getting, like, she's not yelling at me or anything. But we also see, as after he follows her, once they're on the elevator or the escalator and he talks to her again and she turns around and you're like, hey, I'm not okay with you and, like, what's happening and, like, don't you back talk against your father because I fucking believe in him for one. So we see that Ray like, does not emote a lot does not like things can be wrong inside of her and she will not necessarily let you know i also the escalator i think the background was different but like it's just this like steel beam work and it just gives me this like previous civilization feeling like the whole geofront has this mythical quality to it right but it's very much like lordran like the big huge like aqueduct structures that you're like who fucking built that yeah <laughs> it, it's the like the the increased fidelity and detail it makes you notice those things because like that the inc- it's a very dangerous looking escalator like it's just <laughs> it's just one freestanding escalator that seems to be about a mile long <laughs> which in the original the background is sort of a little bit blurry and in mm-hmm. this one, it's this full CG, like you see all the beams, like, oh, this is really high. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they get inside of the base, and then the sixth angel attacks. And their immediate response is, okay, all right, Shinji's killed two of these things. Just go ahead and throw Shinji up there. He'll take care of it. No problem. But this one is a step above the previous ones. It's like almost a pure energy being, and it just shoots him in the chest. Sisson and I were talking about this when it happened. The actual first response is to see a giant floating, glowing octahedron and then say, it appears to be the sixth angel. And then <laughs> Kendo says, I agree. <laughs> what else is it going to be? Yeah, and Sophie and I were saying also there's entirely too many boss encounters in this. <laughs> like you could have spent that time, you know, building up the characters. Well, like, I, I think that's that's because like in in the original series, there's got to be something happening every episode, so it mm-hmm. makes sense for them to introduce like 
the fourth angel, which is the second angel that we see in this, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which is Sham- Shamshiel, I think, in the original, yeah, I think where it's that's like, right. nice. that's like, that's basically just there so they can fight something that week and to sort of give <laughs> them something to do for a couple of episodes. I don't know if it's like super relevant to this story because like later on the angels get like, they become very, very important character moments. Like they start mm-hmm. penetrating their minds and stuff. Yes. The first few angels are basically just kaiju. That are there to, like, build... Yeah, it's like Pacific Rim stuff. It's just building up the relationship between the characters while Mm -hmm. they fight them. So not only did Evangelion copy Darling and the Franks, they copied Pacific Rim, too. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't Pacific Rim start as, like, an attempt to do an Evangelion movie at some point? Mm. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. Well, if this was, like, an Ultraman movie... They would just throw all the kaiju in at one time. Like mm. Ultraman would fight like four <laughs> kaiju. Well, this um, the sixth angel is like based on an Ultraman villain. Oh, really? Like, explicitly? Yeah. They, uh, I know, said so. There's like a one of the Ultraman kaiju was like a big glowing crystal that had this like laser beam, and he like it like stuck with him as a kid, and that's the basis of um, sixth angel, which is the third one we see in this. <laughs> <laughs> Name is Ramiel. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think he's a big fan of Ultraman. He's yeah. directing. I don't know when it's supposed to come out, but it is supposed to come out. Shin Ultraman. Yeah. And uh, I heard, I listened to one interview with him, and he was talking to someone, and the other person was like, "You know, my favorite was Ultra Seven because it was really fun in these ones." And Anna was like, "Yes, some people do like that one. Children like that one." <laughs> oh, <damn. laughs> Anna is awesome. Stone Cold. <laughs> I, I used to watch the 60s Ultraman, because this is a thing about growing up in a country with five channels, that, like, you just watch whatever the hell is on it for some reason. <laughs> it was like the 60s or 70s Ultraman series was on here after school. That and the Brady Bunch, like, I just have an encyclopedic knowledge <laughs> of them, despite having no actual interest in them. <laughs> God, I wish I could have grown up watching Ultraman and the Brady Bunch together. <laughs> that sounds awesome. I like I like Ultraman Zaeth, the one with uh, OCD. Oh, what? No. There's there's an Ultraman called Ultraman Zaeth, and his power is that like he can't transform if there's any dirt on his body. What? Because he's OCD about being he's like a germaphobe. Whoa. So I think they only made two of them. It's it's one of my like I went looking for bootlegs and look what I found. <laughs> Holy crap! <laughs> and like the the he works at a gas station. So the villain's whole, like, scheme is to go there and get really dirty hands from all the gasoline, and then shake Ultraman's hand, and then destroy the city because Ultraman can't transform. <laughs> He's got to rush into the bathroom and frantically scrub everything. That- This is like a Captain Planet plot. That's a yeah. <laughs> So that had to be, like, a later season of Ultraman, like- Oh, it's 90s? like from the 2000s. Oh, it's from the 2000s. Two- it's, it's, it's like an explicit parody thing, but okay. it's official. Uh, okay, so Shinji gets blasted in the chest, uh, and we see where a lot of the budget for this film went. <laughs> um, straight into these very intricate energy effects and geometric, like, yeah. 3D modeling. And the the 3D modeling, like, you know, a lot of times uh, CG uh, is very out of place 
to the detriment of a film, right? But this, because of the nature of this angel, and like you said, the first two were just kind of monster of the week. They have bizarre designs, but whatever. They're just like big kaiju. This one is like an abstract, it's like math made into a monster. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so the the CG makes it look like it's not from this world, which yeah. is to its uh, benefit, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one thing I thought was kind of interesting from the Wikipedia page about this is that uh, I guess in the original series, episode six, which is where we see this angel, it said that for budgetary reasons, they outsourced the animation on that episode. Ah. And so their studio wasn't in control of it. Um, so this could be like, this is one of those places where they're like, oh, we didn't get to do it the first time around. So we we really want to like kind of run with it and and kind of do our vision of it and i personally thought like yeah this was a place where the new animation really paid off i I felt like a lot of the other stuff to me felt kind of gimmicky like it was all these like glowing lights and reflections (laughs) and whatever and it's like yeah like that's cool but it's stuff that feels like you know maybe at the time it was very impressive because it was new technology but it hasn't really Mm age that well necessarily but but this one i thought i thought it really worked so yeah we give you that sexy math (laughs) (laughs) um one thing i like about this uh monster it seems very overwhelming right but it seems to have proportional responses right like in one way it seems like oh it just seems to have limitless energy or whatever it can fire whatever beam it wants but it actually, it does a pinpoint beam as pinpoint as it can to get through these buildings the first time it shoots Shinji. And then when they put up the shield, that's when it's like, oh, well now I need more power and it ups the wattage on the beam, mm-hmm. right? Um, so it does seem like it's actually just, a, it's not about overwhelming force, it's about precision. Yeah. Which is cool, cause like the design elements really uh, convey that. So Shinji's got to have a CPR and he is put back into a hospital bed. Masato comes up with this plan and they just light speed. We run through it. We're like, okay, there's a positron rifle and there's all of Japan's electricity. And it has a, a code name Yashima. I think that was it. Yeah. Co- um, Operation Yashima. Which is, again, it's like... Um, Ben found this before. It's like a legend of a one in a million shot from like a a mounted a horseback riding archer shooting like a flag on a ship. Yeah, that's right. So we railroad through that and then we get to our kind of make a choice scene where Ray and Shinji get to talk on a, in a better uh, uh, circumstances than him you know, accidentally violating her uh, privacy. Mm -hmm. So he wakes up and she's the only nurse on staff. She's feeding him his meals. And I think they just have kind of a heart to target. And he says like, you know, like, aren't you scared to be in the Ava? I'm scared of being in the Ava. She says, okay, that's fine. Like, just make your choice and the rest of us will do what we have to do. Like, I I don't care what your choice is. I just need Mm -hmm. to know what my part is. And you have to make your choice first. And that formatting it as Shinji's choice kind of changes his mind or something, but he decides, okay, fine. Like if, if it takes both of us, if it, if this is the, what we have, then fine, I'll get in the robot again and maybe it'll be different this time. 
So they have this crazy plan. They're going to shoot this uh, crazy sniper rifle at the angel. Um, do we get... Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's when uh, uh, Masato shows Shinji Lilith in the basement. And it the only change uh, design-wise is that we see more explicitly the um, the legs, the little pairs of legs coming off a little. They look like they're moving, mm. and it has a plague doctor mask instead of yeah. the seven eyed seal. It seems like they wanted to be like, okay, that has a connotation with uh, Sele, so we want to yeah. like keep that there instead of having it kind of messy in these two places. And you mentioned, I think they cleaned up. In it, it, it was a little messy, especially like uh, the Lilith Adam thing in mm. the show. Because yeah. it seems like maybe there was some retconning there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, oh, this embryonic thing is Adam. And then in another episode, they were like, oh, this thing on the cross is Adam. And then eventually they were like, that, just kidding. That's not Adam. It's Lilith. <laughs> no, and then they're like, Ad- Adam is actually like a giant glowing unit one. Yes. And then I think that the explanation is like Adam explodes and is reduced to an embryo. Yes. Which then uh, <laughs> Gendo fuses into, into his, his hand. hand. Uh, and then they don't show it again, but then in End of Evangelion, he like yeah. uses that hand to like push into Ray's body. It's very yeah. disconcerting. Yeah. Can we jump ahead since we're addressing this? Yeah, please. Okay. The, the scene at the end, uh, Kawaru's on the moon mm-hmm. and there's that other angel and it's has the seven-eyed face mm-hmm. that's referred to as Lilith in the series. Mm-hmm. So what is this thing on the moon? I think it's just a mask because I think in... Because I've watched the second one. I think in the second one, that is an experimental Ava. It's another production model. It's like 06. And I think the mask is just like okay. a placeholder thing to make it yeah. more mysterious to us and for us to wonder exactly what you're wondering okay and like like you said it it has that explicit sailor connection mm-hmm. and on the moon at the end you see the sailor monoliths mm-hmm. okay so sailor oh god <laughs> who's who's making these uh, avas it is a joint production between nerve and sailor okay um and they're all technically part of the un but sailor is like the secret ruling council yeah. of the un right yeah. okay and so the Japanese Avas are the first ones to be produced, but as soon as the proof of concept is ready, they start making them in several different bases across the country or across the um, globe and in space. Okay. Well, I mean, so re- reaching the climax is pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. You know, what I thought was really kind of fun was, and I guess this happens in the series too, uh, when Ray is hurt after fighting the big cube. Mm-hmm. Shinji goes to get her out of the container. I can't remember what that thing's called. Uh, and burns his hands. And, you know, they have their happy mm-hmm. moment and mirroring Ray's experience with Gendo that created the attachment that she had. So presumably she now has this healthier attachment to Shinji because, I don't know, maybe they're this closer to the same age. I'm not sure how Ray's physiology works, mm-hmm. but it seems like a better situation. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And symbolically, there's sort of like maybe the children can be what's good in their parents and not Mm -hmm. the bad things, because maybe he can be the compassion that Gendo obviously has the capability to feel, but without it being only for Rey. Mm -hmm. 
you're all saying this having seen the series so yes. it was like a very deep emotional moment for you for me it was like ew get away from her pervert <laughs> <laughs> yeah did they keep the line where he tells her to smile yeah that's in the movie not a great line, right? But uh, yes, it can be a little off-putting. Shinji is not the best at... He's not the smoothest person. He's no Gendo, per se. <laughs> uh. <laughs> he's better than Kaji. That's true. Kaji is... Uh, he's, he's a whole mess we're going to get to. Okay, so we get to see the most animated energy blasts I've ever seen in... I, I don't know, ever. It kind of puts like Death Star blast to shame because, mm. you know, it's all this configuration. It's all this math. It's all this like very cool geometry. Uh, and then again, they've been like, OK, before the angels explode, they bleed. Well, each one will bleed more than the last. Rest mm-hmm. assured. Um, and this one bleeds all the way. I think because it's drilling, it bleeds all the way down into the geo front. And I loved how you put this in the outline, uh, Blixa. Central dogma is baptized in blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wondered if it had some kind of, if that was referencing something religious. I mean, I don't remember my Sunday school stuff very well. I, I seem to remember something would be sacrificed in the Old Testament and the blood was important. Mm-hmm. I don't know what a tabernacle is, but I feel like <laughs> that was involved somehow. I, I guess like the thing that um, like I was saying, watching this as a teenager mm-hmm. and people trying to decode it. Mm hmm. It will use names for things that are references to, like, real-world religious stuff, Mm -hmm. but it's not actually a direct reference to that. Like, the Lance of Longinus Mm -hmm. in Evangelion is not the actual Lance of Longinus. The Dead Sea Scrolls are not the actual Dead Sea Scrolls. Um, Adam is not actually Adam. Lilith is not actually Lilith. They're just those are names given to them. Yeah. And I remember particularly the Dead Sea Scrolls thing just really messing everybody up. It's like, what? <laughs> so the actual Sele went to like the Middle East and found the dead. What? And it's like, oh no, that's actually just their name for something else that's like on a computer somewhere. Like a code name. Yes. Once we process that, it's like, oh, okay, this is, we're overthinking this. <laughs> Why? Why did we're, we're overthinking it in the wrong way. Yeah, like all of the all the angel names are like they're not one to one things. They're like dream yeah. logic names. They yeah. like designed an angel and then they looked through a list of angel names and they went, yeah. "Oh, this one has something to do with darkness." Okay, well that's yeah, the yeah. name. No, I remember very like vividly one of the movies has a commentary track by like it's like the the localizers and this like super fan who's obsessed. Ooh. And he's doing what I'm talking about other people doing where he's like okay so if you look at this like this means this which means this which means this and like gendo is in this position which means he's like in this part of the kabbalah yes and it's like i mean they probably did do that part deliberately but that's not like i'm doing air quotes like that's not the point yes like like this the story of ava is like it's like this weird sort of gnostic like childhood's end thing where like everyone's sort of like humanity reaches this apotheosis Mm -hmm. it's not literally supposed to be a retelling of the apocalypse which i think a lot of people thought it was at the time Mm. so you're telling me evangelion also copied bloodborne it's true (laughs) it's true you gotta steal from the best (laughs) whatever happens you may think it all a mere bad Uh, so they do survive, and we get that uh, teaser at the end with Kaoru, this, uh, uh, or Tenebris, sometimes he's called. 
who is this uh, ray-like entity. He also is has like a human body, but it has an angel soul or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that is where we leave off for this. So mm-hmm. does anybody have any final thoughts or all-encompassing thoughts for uh, uh, this movie in particular or the series as a whole? So because Kawada is an angel, he doesn't need oxygen to breathe or talk. Yeah. Or in the future, there's an atmosphere on the moon. Hmm. It certainly would make uh, factory work there easier. Yeah. Yeah, that's where Elon's going to make his Teslas in the future. <laughs> he, buy, he bought Twitter. He's going to buy the moon. He probably could. He's going to buy them. <laughs> I don't know if the original, like, when they added this, if this was in the original or it was just in the DVD version that I watched, but, like, this literally ended with a trailer for the next one that was, like, narrated, <laughs> saying, in the next part, like, AV unit six and its pilot returned from the moon and this happens and, we, and it shows like characters you've never mm. seen before and i don't know at what point they added that i don't know if that was in the original but like that just makes the whole thing feel like it's getting you up to speed for like the real rebuild which is two three and four mm-hmm. and it is cute because those are the kind of next time ons that they mm. had in the series and yeah. it's also masato uh reading them yeah yeah, yeah. which she used to in the in the series as well and, and I guess similarly, like the series always ends with the shot of the moon. And then this time we're actually mm. like at the On moon. The moon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. All about the moon. <laughs> so uh, if anybody wanted to find more stuff from the two of you, where would they go? <laughs> YouTube.com slash Sinclair Lore, your source of Elden Ring and <laughs> Reborn all in one place. We've been looking at our numbers and mm-hmm. like YouTube hates us. The algorithm <laughs> hates us. Like we can put out an Elden Ring video on like the exact same day some like channel that has just started and has 100 subs put out an Elden Ring video and they will get half a million views and we will get like three. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> Word of mouth through podcasts is the only way anyone is going to listen to us. Okay. <laughs> us too. We got to stick together. Yeah. yeah. Yo, uh, yes. Yeah. Got to stick together in our giant robots. Yeah. <laughs> I guess like on, on like the anime front, Sin and I are putting together another anime podcast that we want to do. And <gasps> um, the sort of structure we used last time is we did three. Mm-hmm. And then we just talked about three because that meant if we had more to say about one, let's say about others, it could sort of like adjust as necessary. Smart. And the three ones we're talking about are um, Vampire Princess Mew, mm. which is a, an old clamp horror series. We're doing three horror series. Awesome. Um, an anthology show that's an adaptation of three Japanese ghost stories. And a show that, like, I don't know if any of you remember this, because it got an English dub at an English release, and I have seen, like, four people ever mention it existing, called Requiem from the Darkness. Mm. Nope. It's, I, yeah, I, no one remembers it. I, I, it's one of the bootlegs that I found. But, like, okay, this was, this, I, if it wasn't for the dub, I would assume this never came out. But no, this was properly dubbed and released, and it's just no one's heard of it. Yeah, and now we want to have y'all, I think we told you. Yeah. I had COVID, I have no memory. We want to have y'all on for Dominion. We do, yes. we want to, yeah. We have yeah. to organize our lives. Yeah, the <laughs> Dominion, the comedy version of Jinro. <laughs> <laughs> 
And uh, well, Sophie kept saying that I only know Reborn. I have actually watched Vampire Princess Me when I was younger. Yeah. There you no go, way. That's amazing. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. have the weirdest taste because it's like Vampire Princess Mew, Utena, and then just like, but the best one is Reborn, <laughs> like the most generic shonen anime ever made. It's like this is this is this is vintage. Everything else is just like it's Utena's okay, but it's not. It's not a kid who has to join up with his friends who all have different kinds of weapon. It's not that. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, mm. Sin has an amazing talent for only having seen, like, the synthesis point of a genre. <laughs> it's like, if you're going to watch one shonen, well, I guess Reborn hits all the notes. Yeah. Also, like, every time you brought up FLCL, I'm just imagining Sin. Because to Sin, like, to hear her talk about FLCL, it is like Grave of the Fireflies. <laughs> She's like, this is the most depressing thing I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally down to, like, the lighting. It's like <laughs> slightly oh desaturated. <laughs> Double feature. Fabulousel yeah. and Grave of the Fireflies. <laughs> I mm. will say that like as far as like later sort of adaptations of Gainax properties go, this I think is it's better than the FLCL sequels, which I have mm. seen. Mm. And are like they're okay, but mm. sort of the spark's not really there. And I don't think Very different could... people, I think, making them. Yeah, yeah, it's like a co-production. But, like, I guess the thing about Evangelion is, like, so much of it was down to Arno's mental state yeah. when he made it. And it's not like he can have another nervous breakdown in order <laughs> to make another series. It's not reasonable. You can't put that so, genie yeah, back in the yeah, bottle. Yeah, you, you can't sort of, like, <laughs> it was like a lightning in the bottle moment that you can't really recreate. And I think the decision to take it in a different direction was maybe a wise one, because it's no point in trying to go back to it because you won't be able to do it. Yeah. Okay. Shall I begin? Mm-hmm. All right. Pen. Pen. Pals. Congratulations. Congratulations.